recording. Hello and welcome to a late night tryst with Miss Lorelai. And whose love you almost forgot. I shh. No, 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 no. Maybe, perhaps. We did mention that this is with imbibation, so that's the word, right? Imbibation. We drank a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so today on our first episode, we'd like to discuss um, the one percent billionaires because we recently watched a show called The Patriot Act, where Hassan Minhaj talks about billionaires, and then and I thought that it would be a really interesting topic to discuss because of the economy and money and stuff like that what are your thoughts Kuzla? well i mean money and economy runs life as we know it here in a capitalist society so it's literally everything mm-hmm. tell me more uh i mean i think it's pretty obvious i mean without money you can't own a house or a car to get from work and everywhere else you gotta go unless you spend money on an Uber or public transportation. Everything costs money. Food, water, water isn't even free anymore. You have to pay public utilities or buy bottled water yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, money is, again, in this country, literally everything. So, what about the people who don't live by those same rules? There are people who live in the woods because they choose to. I mean, more power to them. If they're not reliant on farms and logistics and everything just to get what they need to live, mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I think they have a skill that has fallen out amongst our society as a whole. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? So, for example, if something happened, mm-hmm. let's just say for some reason no vehicles worked anymore, no trucks, no planes, no trains, nothing, how would we get the food that we eat? The grocery stores and supermarkets would just be barren immediately. Mm-hmm. Everybody would get food knowing that there was a crisis and eventually that food would disappear. Mm-hmm. So, without the logistics system that we have now without our infrastructure we are basically left on our own to survive Mm -hmm. and those people who decided to live on their own and and have the skills to hunt and forage and farm they're way better off because our society collapses without that infrastructure without having food delivered to us and they are used to getting it on their own so they will continue to get it on their own and then the rest of us will rely on them in order to get food or fight amongst ourselves in order to survive it's really interesting that you mentioned that because it reminds me of this awesome book that i read well listened to um by margaret atwood called oryx and craig it's a three-part series but i really listened to um the first two i need to listen to the third one and it's about um society 
where um, everything kind of breaks down because of this massive pandemic that happens. And there's these people who are genetically engineered to be perfect. And they uh, are able to live post-apocalypse because they can like forage and they don't eat meat so they only like eat what the what nature gives them and then there's this one guy he calls himself snowman he um helps guide them through like living as a society because he's before the pandemic happened and he was actually one of the scientists who helped uh with creating them as people it's it's something you just kind of have to like listen to it's 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 real it's a really good book oryx and crank it's such a good book but like like that's the basis of it is like eventually these perfect beings like perfect human being types they like have no sense of like Uh, modesty so they don't like really wear clothes but they also don't eat meat they're very kind to each other so they they're very naive in a way but they're very like but they're very like um not the words not polite but they're very they're just very kind to each other and like things around them so they're courteous and modest and respectful Mm -hmm. in a way it's basically how the upper class or royalty back in medieval times and mm-hmm. and even you know in today's society it's mm-hmm. how they act face to face now obviously that's not how most people are mm-hmm. courteous and modest and kind 100% mm-hmm. of the time like mm-hmm. these folks um, but I understand that idea of a perfect society mm-hmm. if you think about how the upper class and, and basically what I would suppose the the, the sense of regalness mm-hmm. or, or the sense of power and authority and that kind of thing mm-hmm. is kind of portrayed. I mean, it's kind of what people think of when they think of like a um, King Arthur, for mm-hmm. example. Now, King Arthur, if you read anything of, regarding his whole life and ordeal, I mean, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of things that are far from good um, for King Arthur but when you read the stories when you hear about him you think of him as a just person as a good person as an honorable person it's someone who doesn't take advantage of other people that that tries to do best by everybody Mm -hmm. and I think that that's an ideal society and modesty is incredibly important to Mm -hmm. me I mean just in regards to what we would consider gentlemanly or ladylike mm-hmm. and ladylike and gentlemanly is again often thought of as upper class well dressed mm-hmm. well mattered and of course there's the whole wolf in sheep's clothing aspect of that mm-hmm. so taking that away in this perfect society it's almost like everybody is at that same level of wealth and everybody is at that same level of prosperity. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that that's obviously the ideal scenario of a post-apocalyptic yeah. world. Yeah. Well, that's why I mentioned that they're naive because there's almost this childlike um, 
feeling to the pe- these perfect people in in this book they they don't understand that other other people may want to intentionally harm them so um so sometimes like so like this this character snowman you see a lot of it be um the background story through his eyes that's why and that's how you come to find out about uh, these perfect people and how he really like sees them as like almost like his children because he needs to look after them even though they're like like some of them are like already full-fledged adults they have elders within their society um i don't know where else to go with this <laughs> the modesty part is like it's like they like they just they don't have a sense of modesty because they don't understand what it is to feel shame mm-hmm. so, so it's the adam and eve part before the apple yeah um now take that ideal and we'll go back to the people who hunt and farm and forage in our society that have kind of forsaken you know living in a, a, a capitalist society where we can just purchase anything that we want mm-hmm. um now we kind of view them as dirty or rugged or uneducated or you know just kind of they're wary of the world they're the opposite of innocent and naive they they understand that hey look there's people out there that are dangerous they have to protect themselves they have to protect their family and things that they care about and they shut themselves away almost with i'm not going to say a sense of fear but just a great sense of wariness mm-hmm. and to the rest of us in society we we almost look down on that mm-hmm. it's it, it's almost like they're not good enough to join society because of their own ideals now if society collapses mm. it collapses and that type of living again infrastructure falls apart and all of a sudden we can't buy anything anymore money doesn't matter anymore that type of person that is self-sufficient that is strong and wary of things and has their own ways and rules of survival all of a sudden they become a, a beacon of strength yeah so we look upon them now as kind of like rednecks or you know whatever word comes to your mind to yeah. describe somebody who lives off the land um all of a sudden they are leaders well, they well, have to teach everybody else yeah well um i'm sorry to interrupt um even if it's not somebody who lives off of the land someone who over prepares for something for a a disaster of sorts like for for example there is a um group of people who uh prepare for like the zombie apocalypse and that, but really what they're teaching are survival skills for um for people to be able to like support themselves but that but in a way that's over preparedness because it's like what are they really preparing for and um sometimes in in a way like some people uh frown upon that because it's not very it it goes against the grain of like normal living right it goes against the grain it's incredibly inefficient economically mm-hmm. so if you're spending a lot of your income mm-hmm. on things that would help you survive in a scenario that may never happen 
mm-hmm. as opposed to reinvesting that money back into society, mm-hmm. building and becoming part of you know the capitalist economic society and becoming more successful on their own, they're worried about the what if and they're kind of stuck at a certain level again in the eyes of our society because they're never going to invest and gain any kind of wealth or power within our society because they're so focused on things that we deem pretty much irrelevant Mm -hmm. things that could never happen Mm -hmm. um but again on the off chance that it does they'd be obviously much better off now there are so many fail safes in place um again because we live in a, a society just built on money um obviously the government which is built on our current society has to have fail safes in place so if logistics or infrastructure begins to fail they have fail safes that can basically keep things running maybe not smoothly but keep things going to a point and obviously the super rich mm-hmm. would contribute immensely into keeping society as we know it going because that's their lifestyle our society is how they have everything so if our society goes they go and they know it so should there be some kind of crisis where everything begins to fall apart i think you'll see in a capitalist society these super rich going in two different directions one direction they're going to go where they contribute back to society because they know that if society collapses everything they have collapses and then you have the more in my opinion naive of the super rich where all of a sudden they see society collapsing and they try to go in the direction of the overly prepared where they buy a bunker and they buy ammunition and weapons and a militia and they can afford all these things that are the super rich mm-hmm. and i'm sure that those in you know that they're hiring or buying depending on how you look at it um are agreeing to what they're saying because as long as they're within that community even though they're technically being bought they're still going to be fed they're still going to be in a sustained system um on a micro level mm-hmm. so you've got two kinds of directions to go mm-hmm. and in my opinion even those who practice preparedness and and purchase and buy and prepare for this type of apocalypse they still have to in the initial days compete with the super wealthy that see everything collapsing and then jump on the bandwagon in that regard but are way better off simply because they have so much money mm-hmm. that's an interesting take on it i have a number of bottle because that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> The alcohol. The alcohol's a bit much. <laughs> it was. I imagine, imagine um, a tape recorder that only like has like 15 seconds and its ability to record anything, and so it keeps on recording over whatever is being recorded to remember what you said. It sounds that, like Alzheimer's. And that's my thought. That's like my. That's like how my brain is. <laughs> uh, good news is what you know what we're talking about right now the hold on let That's me a yes or no question hold on no 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 no, no. <laughs> so it's like you were talking about 
how the rich has been like either over preparing or under preparing for the apocalypse. If there would ever be an apocalypse. If there is apocalypse. More than half of the conversation or my scenario was like people would be paying to make sure there is no apocalypse mm-hmm. ever. Um, so basically going back and especially going on that and of course this is like a less than 3% chance of ever happening like just thing, things all of a sudden collapsing without something worldwide such as like uh, another world war um, I don't know I think we're on the brink of it oh. I think we're on the brink of something big happening it just feels like there's going to be something big that's going to happen. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a world war. I don't know if it's mass like, um, like re- revolution. I don't know if it's a pandemic. It's just something big is going to happen that's going to like pop. Well, think about it this way. Um, in other world wars, and I'm not talking about civil wars or people fighting for you know survival or liberty or anything like that. I'm talking about world wars when one country invades another. Mm-hmm. The technology in the invading country mm-hmm. or, or military formations and, and just their advancements for that country are better than the other countries. That's why they're invading. They mm-hmm. can. Um, they're going to take the resources and they're going to spread that technology and influence to those other countries mm-hmm. and their mind bettering the world and making it more like themselves. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, this has been the same for centuries. Um, mm-hmm. Our advancements, for the most part, and you're exactly right, um, are leaning t- more towards robotics and artificial intelligence as far as what we do in our everyday lives now of course the race to have all these inventions back say world war one planes just started to become a thing um trench warfare was a thing because of the machine gun all of a sudden you couldn't run through an open field because there was just a wall of lead in your way Mm -hmm. um so they dug trenches and they created armored armored vehicles to combat that now of course the intelligent um like a chessboard planning many steps ahead we're already trying to create these things before it ever became a necessity Mm -hmm. um obviously creating a bomb in world war ii that could annihilate an entire city Mm -hmm. that was in the midst of being created before world war ii even started for the united states and the united states came out with that technology first Mm -hmm. we haven't had another major world war because again everybody has the same technology so it would just be mutual destruction, especially because the weapons have become so advanced that we would just destroy entire civilizations. So would you think that if any one government was to like find alien technology, they would have the upper hand in a world war? Oh, absolutely. And they would probably start a world war. So again, leaning more towards artificial intelligence and robotics. So obviously having the resources is huge, um, but also having the, uh, I'm not gonna just say technology, but having the efficiency. 
So right now, I mean, we can have dr- thousands of drones in the air, mm-hmm. and they can be weaponized and and used in the field, um, which could basically take care of or take out entire infantry units and and militaries in general. Um, But this type of technology has been researched and is being researched on all sides. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's nothing advanced. Now, again, thinking at like a few steps ahead, if I have this technology and they have this technology, how are we going to defeat that technology and make sure that ours is better? So we're all kind of in that race right now. But we're getting close. We're getting close to having that drone technology and, and getting better. And of course, money plays a huge role in that. Um, not necessarily on the private sector like we were originally speaking, but in the political sector and nation government center. Um, but I feel like it is getting very close to a point where one country says, our technology is just better than yours, and you us you owe us a lot of money and resources, and we're gonna come take it now. Mm. Um, and of course, the super rich are going to leave mm. with all their resources and go to Mars. <laughs> not to Mars, not yet. But they're gonna go to a country where they can continue to accrue their wealth and basically live out their lives. Yeah. So. Interesting. I have to pee soon, but I don't think that I can just pause it. We have time for one more topic. No, no, we've been on for about 22 minutes. Which 22 is, minutes. It's not good. long for a podcast since they go for hours, but they, for our first thing, especially as drunk as we are, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think we're good. We're good for the first episode? We're good for the first episode. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to us ramble on about... Well, we were going to initially talk about money, and then it turned into... Survival and wars. Something else. So, thank you so much for listening to guys. I've been Kuzlo. I am Miss Lorelai. We'll see you next time. Woohoo!